Guys, what do you say we do this at my house next week? This will be a game night to remember. Oh, boy. Mm. Tonight, we're taking game night up a notch. We don't need a board and we do not need pieces. We won't need any extra rudeness either. Someone in this room is going to be taken. Oh, it's a murder mystery party. Fun. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. The keys to the stingray. Just the keys? No, Ryan, the whole car. Oh, yes! Welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your, ho- I'm one of your hosts, Adam Kautzer. I'm with me today, as he is always, is uh, your other co-host for the podcast. Scott Phillips. And today uh, we are continuing our uh, our journey into comedies. Uh, we're doing like this whole comedy series uh, as we discussed with you guys on the Back to School episode. And tonight we are today we are talking about 2018's Game Night, uh, starring Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, and a whole slew of other comedic and not so comedic actors. But that doesn't mean that they're not funny in the movie. Um, Writ, uh, directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, um, a comedic duo that are more known as writers than directors, but uh, we'll get into that um, a little bit later because uh, their first directed entry I really don't like, and I think that we really should get into that because it's, I think that this one is uh, like, you know, I, I think as Scott has talked about numerous times about when we're talking about comedies is like definitely a great comedy and a level up, um, but before we get into all of that, I'm going to hand it over to Scott to talk a little bit, because this was his choice, to talk a little bit about the movie itself, what it's about, and um, the reason why he finds it uh, su- uh, as such a great comedy, and one that's not discussed as often as you probably think it should be. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it, uh, you know, to me, it it epitomizes the idea of being witty when you're being funny. Uh, it's smart funny. It's not, uh, you know, it's not punching down. It's not dumb. Uh, it's not just, I mean, it has some silly moments, some slapstick kind of moments, uh, physical comedy uh, kind of moments. Uh, the bit with the dog and him bleeding all over the place uh, <laughs> is is hilarious. But even that is like a callback joke. You know, it's yes. like using something that you've already established uh, for a funny scene now. And uh, and so I just I tend to gravitate more. I feel like like witty comedy has longer legs. I mean, you see something like to me, at least you see something like the hangout or, 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 I mean, I'm sorry, the hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I can see it once or twice and I'm like, I'm good. I'd never need to see that movie again. Uh, whereas, um, something like game night, there's so many to me witty lines in it. It's so well written. Uh, the characters are so individual and each funny in their own ways, uh, that I could watch a game night all the time. Uh, and you know, the funny thing is, is I recall it as, you know, like not making that much money. I mean, cause, and, and I think in my head I had it that way because just nobody talked about it. Yeah. Like if I talked to my friends, nobody had seen it in the theater. Uh, if I talked to them about it when it hit home video, they're like, Oh, I've, I've never heard of that or whatever. And then you go back and look and realize that, you know, the, that it made like a hundred, almost $118 million dollars. Uh, for a comedy on a $37 million budget. No, uh, and, and the one thing that I do remember about that was it had like old fashioned legs at the box office. It was not, it made $118 million in two weeks and was gone. Uh, it was one of those movies, at least here at my local theater that, you know, eight weeks into its theatrical run, it was still playing on one screen here in town. Yes. And so I think it kind of found its audience over time. I don't know that it necessarily, uh, found its audience opening weekend or whatever. I think it was something that truly became good old fashioned word of mouth of people saying, you know, this is genuinely funny. You really ought to go see it. And so six, seven, eight weeks into its theatrical run, it's still pulling in money. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
And, uh, and so, you know, to me, it was just, it was the funniest, uh, comedy that I'd seen in, in quite some time. And, uh, and I love seeing bits in a movie based on stuff that we've seen done a lot of times mm-hmm. and then they play it like it would really play. You know, I'm thinking of like the bullet removal scene. Yes. You know, how many times have you seen that in a movie? And this is the one time that it played like if some random married couple had to do something like that, that you see in some of these violent thrillers and adventure films and stuff like that. And it plays exactly like it would really go down in real life. And so that was a riot. I thought that scene was so funny. I thought my wife was going to stop breathing uh, when uh, <laughs> when they all start gagging and everything. Because I thought, bingo, exactly, for all these people that are doctoring on each other and self-doctoring in these uh, action movies, uh, here's a representation of what it would really be like unless you're actually a doctor. Uh, but uh, so it was. there was something kind of universal about the humor. It was identifiable. Uh, and, uh, but yet at the same time, you know, very clever. And so it, it has just stuck with me and any of my friends has become one of those movies of, you know, if, if you're hanging out, at least in the days that we all got to hang out with numerous people at the same time, um, that if somebody's like, man, I want to see something funny. That's the first thing that I come up with. Have you seen game night? And it's amazing to me how many times the answer is no, huh? And uh, and so I own it, and so I'll play it, and I mean it just slays every time. No, absolutely, it it is definitely it like in an era where we find everything so quickly and people get tired of things so quickly. Um, this is one that has like as you said legs, um, um like much more than uh other films that are like comedies and and comedies are very weird like it's very weird about those things in comedies like um i was thinking about it and you know like they're they're like first feature film directed because they they're more john francis daly and um Jonathan Goldstein are more known as a well. John Francis Daly is known more as an actor, but he became a screenwriter um, thanks to a lot in large part thanks to Judd Apatow and his crew. He decided like he became started to become more of a um, a writer. Um, and his partner Jonathan Goldstein, they're both mo- more known for writing, uh, specifically writing the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man films, um, and then things like Horrible Bosses. Um, and other, um, other, like, you know, I hate to use the word high concept comedies, but they're kind of high, high concept comedies. They're always, they're a lot different than, um, than your, like, average, like, slobs comedies, which I like to call them the, the Apatow produced stuff. Right, um, right. Like, you know, Horrible Bosses and Game Night, like, if they were to make, like, if they were to make a mashup of those movies, like, they, they kind of like seem like they're within the same world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but their first film was a remake of National Lampoon's Vacation. And I hated that movie. Like I, I'll be honest, like I didn't I have no <laughs> yeah. I have no love for that movie, which is funny because um around a little bit before that there's a movie and I did not suggest this because this one is so much like I think that there's an audience for it, and maybe maybe we should actually talk about it. Um, there's a movie that came out around the same time called "The We're the Millers" that I adore. Like, and it's basically right. vacation, but done in a way that's a lot like it, it, I feel like it's it's kind of a play on vacation, but it's not. Um, and it kind of is like kind of like game night because they use these genre tropes. Um, but like vacation just fell flat for me, even though the, like it has yeah. a bunch of people that I love in it. Um, like it just, it didn't do anything for me. So like when game night came out, I was like, huh, I'm going to, I'm probably going to miss that one. But then you kept on talking to me about it. And I'm like, okay, fuck, I got to see this game night. I got to see what this shit's about. Um, and was really positively delighted by like my reaction to it. Um, and I don't know, like looking back on it now, like, I don't know why it didn't it, like it didn't, it wasn't even bigger than it uh, than it initially was because right. you watch those trailers and those trailers are really cut like very well. Like I was actually watching them. I'm like, you know what? Why was, why did I have an adverse reaction other than 
vacation. Like usually a good trailer will make me go, right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll like, I'll see what the reviews are. And you look at the reviews and the reviews are well, uh, it's well reviewed. Um, you know, and yeah. it, it's yeah, my kind exactly. of, it's my kind of comedy. It's, it's an ensemble piece. I hate, like, I hate the, the single star comedies. Like yes. that's, that's something that I really don't like. I'm not a really big fan of like, even though we just talked about a single star comedy in uh, back to school, but I feel like they did that one right because there was so much support for Rodney Dangerfield right. and not just exactly. like, a, not just like a stupid, like not a support system where it was like, Oh, we're just going to have this guy riff for 20 minutes. It was like, everything was a part of the story. And that's what I, I think I, I dislike like watching, what I loved about like what I, what I loved like what I love about doing this is it's actually forcing me to kind of look at what I like in comedy and what my tastes are in comedy. And one of the things that I found that when we were talking about choices was that I'm more of an ensemble comedy guy than I am like a, a lead star. Yeah. Well, well, and you know it's because the the habit that they got into or the trend was. Find a popular stand-up comedian, build a story around that stand-up comedian, and then there are moments in the movie where they kind of lose their shit, go on some kind of a rant, whatever it is that they do, and in essence, they just start doing their stand-up. They start just, you yeah. know... You know, you know, yelling funny insults or, you know, saying funny lines or whatever. And so it's almost like, well, you know, like you can almost see the screenwriters writing it and saying, okay, we've put in enough funny stuff of our own. And then now here are these scenes where the, the, the screenplay probably just says, and so and so gets a chance to be funny here. Yeah. And, and you just hand it over to the star to improv, whatever. And so that's the way it feels. It, it just feels like, you know, this person uh, trying to bend their stand up act into some kind of a film. And so with movies to me, like Game Night, or we'll get to it later with broadcast news, uh, it's character driven humor. You, yeah, you've exactly. got these types, you've got these types that you have written. And, and the funny interactions that they have, you know, like you have the guy, you know, in game night who's always bringing the new woman. So it's like the perpetual first date uh, kind of thing. And and in this this particular uh, evening is not going well. So you got like the two people on the bad first date who've been thrust together into these circumstances. And then you have the married couple who's kind of having some issues. Uh, and then uh, you've got the uh, the other couple where. Uh, the husband is is jealous of the wife and some things that have been going on, uh, and uh, and it's really you know it's it's a very clever setup of couples and the issues that they're dealing with or where they are in their relationships, and then the way that all that's going to interact with one another, and, and of course if if anybody is watch, uh, watching if anybody's listening to this podcast. Uh, before they've seen the movie, sometimes we don't do the greatest job of, of discussing <laughs> what the setup was. And so the idea is it's this group of people that get together for a game night. And typically they're playing some kind of board game, card game, you know, that kind of thing, uh, trivia game, what have you. And so Jason Bateman's brother uh, is in town uh, and uh, played by Kyle Chandler, and he wants to host game night. And what he wants to do is one of these mystery nights. Uh, like where, you know, actors come in and, and act out a murder and everything, and then you're whatever the crime may be, uh, and then you're supposed to figure it all out. And so the 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 kind of conceit of the movie is Kyle Chandler is really in some trouble uh, with some not-so-nice guys, and so what they think is the game unfolding is actually his kidnapping unfolding for real. And so that is kind of the farce kind of premise uh, of the movie and everything goes from there. But it did doubles back on itself and triples back on itself. And so to me, it was almost like a comedic version of David Fincher's The Game. Absolutely. You know, it, it was like you don't know who's in on it. You don't know if they're in on it. And, and so you're constantly having this reaction of, hey, wait. Is, is this part of the game or yeah, this is part of the game, isn't it? And so the characters just start doing insanely dangerous things because they don't realize that they're dealing with real people 
instead of actors within the game. And so they offer quite a few twists along the way of what is part of the game and what isn't part of the game uh, and stuff like that. And so it really did kind of feel like almost like a, a, a comedic version of, uh, of, of the game with Michael Douglas and, and Sean Penn. Uh, and so that is that is kind of the premise. We won't go into the details of all the twists and turns because they're too much fun. Uh, but uh, that is is the basic idea behind it. You no, know, absolutely. Uh, perfectly sum- uh, summarizing like what uh, game night is. Um, I always feel like when we we do that, it's like it's <laughs> like just as a side note and an insider baseball why we kind of don't do it oftentimes is because I feel like. Um, you know, you're either going to be on the uh, on the boards for this one and you're going to watch the movie or you've seen the movie and you're just going to listen to us. <laughs> right. Or you're, you're like, you know, we're going to convince you and you're going to go on to IMDb to look up the, the plot summary anyways. Um, but like with this one, it kind of does bear a little because this one is so plot heavy, um, which is not a bad right. thing. Like, I'm not going to no, say, but in a but in a very clever kind of way. Exactly. Know? It uh, instead of, you know, so often in, in these comedies, it's like everything that happens is just random. Mm-hmm. It's like a random adventure, you know, and, and these people just wind up in like ludicrous circumstances. And here are the funny things that happen to them in a random adventure. And so the cool thing about game night is, uh, is, you know, it, it's like a, a meeting of the stuff that was supposed to happen and the stuff that is kind of the unexpected adventure. And so it works on on two levels. It, it keeps you guessing on is this part of the game or is this not part of the game? And so it's like they've taken those two versions of a comedy and kind of smushed them together. The the madcap misadventure along with just kind of like the witty character-driven comedy. No, absolutely. And um I think that what what makes it like a level up from like even something that takes those tropes and moves it uh, like, you know, makes it comedic is the fact that they even take comedic tropes within like what you were talking about, take comedic tropes, which are like become stereotypes or, or like things that you can like, you know, set your watch to and they completely kind of like flip them on their ear. And that's what makes this film like not just, not just a clever like concept, but an actual clever comedy. Like, like you were talking about the, um, the, the guy, Ryan, uh, played by Billy Magnuson, um, who always brings the, the young models in, um, for game night and stuff. And like, I love that the trope is, is that usually it's like this guy that's like, like he's usually smart he has his shit together which right like the character ryan does have his shit together but he's kind of adult like like just like the girls (laughs) and when he brings exactly but the the even funnier part is is that when he brings in the girl uh, sarah like this this like um played by sharon horga uh horgan um the funniest part is, is that she is so like, like her level is like 12 time 12 steps ahead of him. And it's, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What they've done is if they've taken the old stereotype of the guy who shows up with like the sexy, dumb blonde mm-hmm. and, and she's just so dumb, but you know, really nice to look at uh, the old stereotype that they've employed for forever in movies like that. And what they've done is they flipped it. He keeps, you know, he thinks he's bringing kind of the, mindless bimbos to uh, game night and even the friends joke about it like oh my god I can't wait to see who he brings this week and instead yeah he brings somebody that now he's the dumb good looking uh, person you know he's not blonde I don't think yeah uh, but uh, but they flipped it on you and so like she's the one who is intelligent and figuring things out and quicker on the uptake than he is and so they've basically you know taken that stereotypical little setup and flipped it upside down no absolutely and that's kind of like the joys of this movie is that yep. like especially if you're somebody who watches film like a lot of films is that like you're you're just kind of setting your watch to these things and you go oh 
whoa, I was not expecting that. And <laughs> exactly. It, like in exactly. your, it, it kind of like forces, like it, it forces like laughs out of you. Like the, um, like, um, and then also like the, um, uh, the Kevin and Michelle, they're, they're played by Lamar Morris and, uh, uh, Kylie, uh, Bunbury. And they're the married couple that's been married. Like they, they've, even though they, like they met, they're like the junior high sweethearts and they're having their marital problems. But like, the great thing is, is that there's like a, a twinge of verisimilitude in this where like, I, I'm not going to ruin anything, but their bumps in the road are just bumps in the road. Like you expect right. them, like you expect this like weird kind of like, because of the way that like comedies and movies work, like you expect some kind of really weird, like life, like life changing thing at the end of it, but it doesn't happen, which is kind of very refreshing because it just like, they just, there's this bump, it happens and they just kind of look at each other and like literally laugh. And it's kind of refreshing to see something like that too, like 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 you said, like with the gunshot thing, where it was like, oh, it went out the other end. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. it's these kinds of like like moments that make it like I don't know, it, it makes it like the comedy works because it's so character based and it's so deep in character. Um, because like the thing that I think that people really should know is is that the first like twenty five to thirty minutes is just set up and don't yeah yeah there there are witty one liners and there's some some witty banter and everything but the the kind of farce elements that take it to a new level have not hit yet no and I think that that's like something that we sh like you know we like. What I feel is the secret to any good comedy is, is that there's an ample amount, like, if you're going to do one of these big, like, you know, um, big payoff kinds of comedies, there right. has to be ample amount of setup, which I feel like sometimes people forget. And so they're like, oh, why is it like this? Why is the first 30 minutes like this? And what some people call a drag, it's not a drag. It, it definitely... Like what I love about this film is that they use their visual panache and the yeah. the actors who are super like on their game. It's not like these any of these people are just kind of floating by. Like, you no. know, like Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman are on full on, like, you know, charming, witty, like superstar. Yep. She's a she's a laugh riot. I mean, he's always funny, but he's still kind of doing his sardonic, sarcastic uh, kind of bit dry yeah. humor thing that he so has mastered. Uh, and so of course he's funny, but she was the, the surprise to me, uh, was just how many laughs she gets just like all by herself. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and then as you were saying earlier, uh, playing into tropes, uh, little, uh, things from action movies and stuff. Like there's one scene where, you know, they're going to spring a trap on somebody using a conveyor belt. Oh, yes. And and so I won't go any farther, but I mean, that is just hilarious. And uh, and so uh, it, it just it plays great. And, and the nice thing about it is it actually ratchets up as it goes along. Yes. So it's like you have the, the beginning to kind of establish the characters and there are enough laughs to keep it afloat. But they're planting all this stuff that they later pay off in some of just the greatest, you know, payoffs. I mean, they just literally surprise you that they'll like, you know, run into a room and something is going on that winds up paying off a setup uh, that was an hour ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> and so that's the, the genius construction of it. And that's where, you know, I, I tip the cap to the to the screenplay because that's all just that's architecture. You know, that's all just uh, kind of the engineering of the film uh, to have all these pieces fall into place like that. And in such, you know, spectacularly funny fashion. Yeah, no, like uh, glass tables be acting weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it, and it's it's not uh, it, it's a lot smarter. Like, and that's another thing is that I feel like um, I fucking hate dumb comedies. 
I'm sorry, but I just do. Like they don't they they don't tickle my funny bone the way that it does to some people. Like there are, there are a ton of comedies that people find funny that I'm just like ah. Like we talked about last week, it's like, yeah. I mean, my friends and I can do the same thing. Like you yep. know, on a Saturday night, and I'd actually have more fun doing it than watching that ninety minute movie. And I'm not gonna name oh, yeah. names. It's it's just like where it's you know, it's the comedy equivalent of. Uh, uh, for some reason, uh, somebody's giving a urine sample at the same time that somebody's got a glass of, uh, you know, apple juice. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, you know where that's going? You know, <laughs> I mean, ha ha, you know, that kind of thing. And and so, yeah, that that stuff gets gets old and yeah. and just kind of juvenile. And honestly, after a while, just just not that funny. I mean, you can go back and take like one that's at like the pinnacle of that. Like a, there's something about Mary. Mm hmm. And and I could just watch that film a thousand times and skip all the others. No, absolutely. So so uh, so, but yeah, but this one is is totally you know just script driven, character driven, situation driven, uh, and and one of the things that we haven't mentioned is my might be my favorite thing about the film is Jesse Plemons. Oh God, Gary! I mean, he's he's just an MVP in this movie. That character that he plays. Uh, the the next door neighbor kind of loner guy who doesn't have a lot of friends but happens to be a cop. Yeah, and uh, he is just hilarious in this film. He perfectly toes the line between uncomfortable and hilarious, and that is like I know that people think that that's an easy thing to do, like be creepy weird guy, but be funny. <laughs> but the way he does it is such a like it falls more on because Plemons is like Plemons is known as a more serious actor. I mean, all you got to do is watch Fargo uh, to yep. realize yep. just how good of an actor he is. And I think that he's one of those guys. I think that normal like like normal citizens, not like like uh, not like guys like. Uh, us who watch everything don't right. get they they just don't get the Jesse Plemons thing yet because they haven't watched certain things with him in it and go oh okay and this is one of those ones where if you watch it at the his payoff his like long con setup and payoff is yep. like whether you realize it or not and you know like it's the it's the spine of the movie I mean, yeah, like, very much is. And and he he slays. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I saw this movie. Uh, I was a huge fan of it from the first time that I saw it. And so my uh, uh, my evangelizing for this film uh, extended even when it was in theaters. And so like I saw it, I just happened to see it on my own. Uh, and then I took my wife back to see it. Uh, and then my wife and her cousin went to see it. So it was like three times in the theater for me. Mm. And uh, and every time Jesse Plemons' stuff just, I mean, the crowd was just dying. So, I mean, he he totally connected uh, with with the tone of his character. If it goes too far one way or the other, it, it just seems too weird to be funny. Yeah. But he just perfectly like you were saying walk that tightrope of kind of tone uh in his performance and people just find it hilarious absolutely like like my favorite moment is like one of my favorite moments with him is the is the set piece between like where jason bateman's character is in the the room with the computer and the dog and <laughs> Them yeah. playing Jenga with him, with yeah. Gary, and then yes. to stop him, Sarah just like, like, uh, the, the Sarah character just stops and goes, you know, stop. I want to know about Debbie. And the, the way that Clement <laughs> plays that yeah. is, yeah. it makes me laugh every single time, but it's not just that it's the reason why it's funny to me is because of how heartbreaking he it, like how he, the face changes because it's because they've also the setup is is you've been told whatever you do don't mention this ex girlfriend exact or the wife because the ex wife the most morose god awful awkward terrible situation and so when she has to buy Jason Bateman some extra time uh, doing what he's doing uh, at uh, at Gary's house. Uh, she goes, so tell me about Debbie. And so it's so funny the way it comes out 
because it's just the exact opposite of what she was told to do. Exactly. Um, but that whole entire scene with the dog and what happens to the dog, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, I, it's just like, oh, God, it is so um, it is just so like like it's just it, it's that moment where everything gels like it, it, and that's where that's what like that's where that's what tells yep. my funny bone is, is that everything that's been set up. And it's and it's done in very unexpected ways. It's not exactly the like you know. Oh well, this setup leads to this. It's n- like nothing that happens in that in those moments or anything that you would expect to happen yep. as a setup and payoff. Um, yeah, no, and, and and you know, and the one thing that's that's worth pointing out is, you know, you and I watch crazy number of movies. Yes, I mean for what we do compared yeah. to just the general public, you know, folks with kids, you know, don't have time to get out to the theater, you know, maybe hope that they can rent something and see it before they fall asleep at night, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. And so you and I, from doing this, you know, have hours that we get to set aside, uh, to see things. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes maybe not so much. Uh, but, uh, but if you can fool us, you know, which I agree, the payoffs were never what I expected. I mean, even a veteran moviegoer, when you see a setup, you know it's a setup. Yeah. And so you're thinking a little bit about, oh, I bet blah, blah, blah is going to happen later. And I might have been right once in this movie over thinking about what might be coming. And otherwise, they pay off the setups and the jokes and what have you in completely unpredictable, hilarious ways that, you know, in retrospect, you look at it and go, man, why did I even think that other thing? This is perfect. And mm-hmm. and so it, it has no problem, you know, playing with your expectations uh, and predictions and kind of one-upping you. No, absolutely. Um, like... And then, like, it goes beyond just the setups and payoffs. It goes to smart casting. Like, I'm not going to ruin who plays the Bulgarian, but when I saw him, <laughs> yeah. like, literally because there's a TV show he's on that's very specifically gives you some extra gra- gravitas for this, Um, it made me howl with laughter. I mean, literally, I sat there and I was like, oh, my God, that is hilarious. Um, yep. And then the guy who plays Donald Atterton, the guy like the like the waspy eyes wide shut like mm-hmm. host, and that's all I'm gonna say. Like, yes, fucking Danny Houston. Like, like people who know <laughs> Danny Houston know right. who Danny. But like, my thing was is that when I saw this, I was like, why the fuck hasn't the Purge like cast Danny Houston as like like some kind of major baddie because he like him like his great great grandfather like his his no it's his grandfather or was it his dad john houston's his dad so it's his dad like his dad in chinatown yeah like makes a very specific kind of white villain that i'm like why aren't they casting Mm -hmm. this motherfucker in everything but the only other part the additional part about that is is that he kills the dry humor of the situation in the scene like literally sit like you literally yes. sit there yeah, and you go absolutely. You go, how the fuck he is like how is he menacing but funny at the same time? Like the whole thing with the way he's treating one of his henchmen, you know what I'm talking about. Like 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 right, the thing that right. you go, okay, that should be offensive in thirty five levels, and it kinda is, but it's also supremely hilarious because he's selling it so well. Um yep. Yeah, like, and then that in and of itself is a setup and payoff that is a throwaway throwaway line that you go, oh, God, dude, you're so stupid. But then when it comes out and it happens and the way, like, I'm not, I'm trying to, like, talk around it for people that haven't seen it. People that have seen it. That was one of the ones I was talking about, about the setup that pays off in a really bizarre way a lot later uh, in the, in the movie is, is just like hilarious. It's in the nature of like, see? 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm right. You know, the way that that, that character, but the way the character plays it, it's like a dream come true. It's not horrifying. <laughs> it's not anything. It's like, holy it's shit. Like validation. Can, exactly. But not only validation, but like when he's with his other character, the other couple, the other half mm-hmm. of his, he's like, oh, we're staying here. We're going to do this. Like, I'm right. going to, like, I have a good feel. Like, he even says, I have a good feeling about such and such. And I'm like, holy shit, they really went there. But it's, but it also leads to one of my, like, what I, like, what I, I'll say it. It's like, in the last couple of years, it's one of the best, like, action pieces, set pieces that I've seen. Because the stakes are really high. And it's funny. And it really works because of the way they shot it. Um, right. And that's all I'm right. going to say about it, because if, for people that have not seen this movie, it definitely you definitely need to like. Like, let this play out the way that it should. And like I said, like some of the stuff I'm talking about, you're not even going to be able to know that it's coming because it's such a yeah. rope a dope left hook. Um, yeah. The one guy that we really should mention that is actually the MVP because of a setup and payoff is Jeffrey Wright. I, yes, I had no idea Jeffrey Wright was so funny. Yes. No. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and it's cool to, to see people of, of his level, uh, playing like a little smaller part, you know, and, and, and you know that it's, it was just in the line of, he knows somebody that is in this cast or, or behind the camera who said, look, man, would you come and do this? Because this would be, you know, hilarious. And, and he probably just did it, you know, for the camaraderie and the fun of, of doing it. Uh, and so, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, that, that was a very clever moment in the movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and one, one thing that I think is worth pointing out is the lean runtime. Yes. You know, so many comedies these days, and I don't understand it, you know, are two hours, two hours and 10 minutes, uh, stuff like that. But the problem that you have is, is a lot of those comedies kind of enter the third act and then have 45 minutes to an hour to go. Yeah. And, and it's just kind of like, holy smoke, you know, I mean, this, you know, is so, you know, bloated, could lose some of this. Uh, and so the amazing thing about Game Night is it covers so much ground and it's like basically right at the 90 minute mark. Yep. And so there really aren't any lulls. I mean, I don't find the setup part to even be a lull. I, I mean, the characters are engaging and you get a chance to kind of meet them and see, you know, where they are and who they are. And there are enough funny lines along the way and everything like that, that, you know, the beginning I didn't even think was slow. Uh, but once the game starts and it's off and running, it just, you know, never takes its foot off the gas. And, uh, and that's just one, you know, one thing to be said for, you know, don't, don't kind of outlive your premise, you know? Oh yeah. And, and I think that that's what happens in a lot of comedies is, uh, they just go on and on and on. And so even by the end, you know, the really, really funny stuff has kind of been weighted down by all the excess and, uh, and so you leave going, yeah, you know, that, that was pretty good. Whereas, you know, with a leaner script and, uh, you know, some editing and things like that, it could have been more like great than just okay or good. No, absolutely. Um, I think that, and to a point, I feel like, um, the film is not edited like a comedy. It's edited like a, um, like an action film. Uh, yeah. it's even yeah. scored like an action film. I mean, they even got an like like okay so another big big pet peeve for my uh, for me is the whole mickey mousing of of comedies like where the scores on comedies are so just vanilla plain like golden hue exactly yeah exactly yeah like, no you're right and having cliff martinez who's norm who if people don't know, like cinephiles should know. I mean, like, they know he's he's Soderbergh's guy. Like he goes to like he's the guy that like you know scored some of like you know some of the best Soderbergh stuff. Like like um, I guarantee you that the reason why they probably um, they probably hired him was because of um, the work that he did with him on. Um, 
God, what is the movie? Now, now I'm just like, um, it wasn't traffic. Um, uh, the limey, the limey and drive. I guarantee you that's the reason why they hired him was because of those two films. And, and what you get is this score that is driving propulsive, but playful. It's not comedic. It's playful. Um, and then their director of photography, Barry Peterson, who's towed the line on, on comedies and like, you know, real true blue, like action films. Like he, he's worked with, uh, like, you know, he's done things like dark blue, um, which is a Ron Shelton cop movie, uh, which is probably very Mm -hmm. problematic now considering what we're talking like the era that we're in but they've also he's also done 22 jump street um he did some of the lego movie he did we're the millers 21 jump street uh jumper like he's done all of these movies that are kind of like toe the line but they never they're never like comedies like let's just shoot a stag shot so that people can do their gags like they're always visually like they're like visually astute and like your reference to the game and the way that um david fincher shoots that film with harris savitas is kind of almost like it's like right on cue with the way that that game night is shot like as soon as they get into the game night itself it it slowly shifts. It shifts from this like really kind of like like this like kind of sunny, almost poppy kind of look to this darker chiaroscuro mm-hmm. kind of look, which is kind of fun because you get into that moment and it becomes a part of the aesthetic. I think that there's a lot more going on in the thought of this movie than most comedies of of the same ilk. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, and and think of how rare it is that you talk about a comedy and talk about things like production design. Oh, yeah. Ever. You know, I mean, usually comedies are just very bare bones, basic with cinematography uh, and production design and things like that. But this one where they have the effect of like as if it is a board game or some kind of game. Oh, laid yes. out before you mm-hmm. and then as the camera descends toward the board it starts to turn into the actual real neighborhood or the real location and and they have some very clever things that they do in the design of the film uh, that you just don't see in a in a typical comedy and and it really plunges you into kind of the feel of the movie no absolutely yeah that definitely uh that was something that I completely um appreciated that they weren't the standard it wasn't the standard like you know overhead shots that they really kind of even took those and really made it a thoughtful um and smart way of actually doing that um and this is like one of those movies that reminds like that that should remind people that everything is thought out in 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 a film that nothing is left to chance like like right like that means like and this is where i appreciate like i appreciate a comedy this kind of comedy more and it makes me dislike other comedies more because then that means that they've not they they thought about it and they just went huh okay i mean it's a comedy it stars so and so yeah close enough i mean you know we've got a we've got a cameo from a b and c so they're not going to give a shit no we do give a shit and like you know when you do care, you're going to get a movie that like Game Night, who in like, this is the thing that I always feel like I'm going to still probably be talking about Game Night when I'm in my like my like when I'm in my mid 50s and you're in your mid 60s. We'll still be talking about it, like sharing it with people. <laughs> and then, yeah, oh, it wouldn't surprise me if something like this wound up on Criterion one day yeah. as just like one of the one of the the best comedies of, of this time period. Absolutely. Because of how clever it is. Because I like like I said, like other than like, say, like there's a few like there's a few rarefied air like comedies like I I consider 22 and 21 Jump Street like like really like they're up there, too, with Game Night. And yep. that's because. Yeah, no, you're right. They take the, the cop trope movies. They take the tropes of the cop movies and they just kind of like. Uh, Lord and Miller, like, I mean, everybody already knows, like, people, people love those movies, right? I mean, so much so that everybody wants a 23 Jump Street, even though at the end of credits of 22 Jump Street, we kind of got, like, 
56 sequels that would that are better in our imagination than they are what would be 23 jump street um which kind of reminds me kind of brings about to bring it back to game night i never laughed other than 22 jump street i've never laughed as hard at a credit sequence than i had at game night's end credit sequence with the murder board yes Yes. And one one final hook for you. Exactly. Uh, there at the end. And like the way that they do the actors calls, like the callbacks to the actors, like the like like what I like to call the the predator screenshot, like, you know, like how like at the end of mm-hmm. Predator, they did like everybody like has like a moment. The way that they do that moment with the ID cards and the ID card that they give Ryan Oh my god, it made me laugh, but I I looked at it and I'm like that's fucking accurate. That is completely accurate <laughs> to that character, that type of person. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Um so like yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's one of those things where it informs a, like like people will understand when they finally see this. It'll it, it informs a character. Um and then those final moments, who is this person that she's having beverages with? Oh my god. I just about died. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, like I, I like there are very rarefied air comedies to me. Like, like I said, like Game Night is one of them. For me, another two are like I said, Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, I would also like I said, like I love We're the Millers. Like I figured that I I call that within the decade, of, like within the last ten years, because it's still ten years. I I would call. We're the Millers, also one of those movies. And to be honest, like I have to really deep dive into other comedies that I would say, yeah, those ones like are great comedies. Because other than that, I don't, I, I cannot think of things unless there's something that I watch on TV that is like, like to me holds up to a standard of um, comedy. Like unless you can think of one, and then I can agree with you on it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with you. You know, oh, actually, you know what? Another one which is really good, but it also takes the same thing is Paul Feig's um, Spy with Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that one is yeah, lower that is tier. Really yeah, that one's lower tier. But like, if you guys want to see something that you probably haven't seen, watch Melissa McCarthy's Spy just for Jason. Jason oh Statham's. my god! I knew you were about to say that. Oh, that <laughs> is just so good, oh so my good, god. such a great bookend to all the other roles that he plays. Absolutely, and if you guys like the game night whole concept of taking a bit of reality and putting it into something that's a little bit more manic, like Jason Statham's character is very manic in a movie that's kind of pre-proposes that it's a little bit of reality and the way that they treat him and the way that they pay him off is oh it's one of the delights especially if you're a jason statham fan um which i'm actually genuinely surprised like when i saw that i was genuinely surprised at how much he's in that movie like he's in that movie a lot Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, because, like, they hit him well in the trailers. Like, they had him in, like, maybe one scene. But, I mean, he is literally a supporting character that goes through the entire film. Um, yeah. His fucking disguises are great, though, in that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't think of very many, like, and I mean, like, I find amusement in other comedies. It's just, like, what I love is not exactly what is out there like it takes a very specific like kind of comedy um if we're talking like uh do you watch the lonely island boys movies like um the stuff that um like well we we kind of we're gonna we're gonna talk about one later on but um the um oh god what's his name um Oh God! Uh, you stumped it, yourself. Yeah, I stumped myself because I can't think of his name. Uh, I can't think of his fucking name now. Um, Andy Samberg, the Andy Samberg comedies, like pop star. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, we're talking about one of those. He, his, like their stuff is funny, but even then, yes. their stuff is very. It's always like within the frame of like, let's go ahead and make a funny movie. 
<clears throat> like, let's make a satire of a certain kind of movie, but it always feels like, like, Popstar never stop, uh, never stop stopping is, like, as close to, like, a modern-day Spinal Tap as you can kind of get, which is kind right. of, like, it is, like, but I think that people have found that movie. Like, honestly, I think that people have found that movie and have made it its thing. Um, but, like, their stuff, too. Like, have you seen, like, because you're a sports fan, have you seen their, um, their Netflix? It's not even, it's like a short movie because it's like 45 minutes. But have you seen their, um, their, um, their thing with, um, the Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire thing? The Bash no, Brothers? No. Okay. You as a as a sports fan and you knowing the Bash Brothers experience should definitely right. watch that because like I know that a people probably have already started to deconstruct this one because Andy Samberg plays Jose Canseco, but watch that one because it's this weird kind of music video making fun of the whole Bash Brothers experience from the 1980s and it's wild. It's just it's hilarious and it's funny because they they get the Maguire Conseco thing and and like everything from that era like kind of perfect. Um, I'll but definitely it, have to see that. Then, but, but I'm a huge baseball fan, so yeah, I would enjoy that. Um, uh, but it's very it's kind of visually arresting in the way that like I like things in comedy to be visually arresting. So it's like this giant like music video but not so and especially if you like the lonely island boy stuff it's only 30 minutes but oh man it right. is pretty hilarious like like some of the stuff that they do and what they talk about with the canseco mcguire stuff is like deep so is it actually baseball. on espn no no it's netflix oh it's, it's netflix oh, yeah, okay i got yeah. confused i thought you said it was something comedic that they made for espn but you were saying it was like in the style of an espn kind of thing it, it it's kind of like that but also a music video like it's very weird oh okay gotcha yeah no great well then that'll be easy to find yeah no absolutely um but like were there anything else that you felt like were like things that because I feel like this is like the point where we can actually kind of talk about some additional comedy stuff because like this one kind of is open to more modern day comedies. Um, anything that we're missing, like that are like kind of blind spots that are just like, yes, that. Uh, you know, I mean, like one of my favorite films of uh, comedies of the last 20 years is Meet the Parents. Ah, OK. And uh, and and one of the things that the reason for that is, is it just gets the relationship so right. Like the thought of meeting your future father-in-law and it's Robert De Niro playing that character. Yes. I mean, what a friggin' nightmare, you know? And, and so I thought that that movie at the time, I mean, the, the, I think that it's a, an example of a great film that the sequels just totally diluted. Yes. It's like now when you bring it up, people are like, Oh, well, yeah, it's okay. And I'm like, no, seriously, go back and watch just the first one. It's a hilarious film, and it's it's character driven kind of comedy, uh, like this. And so I think that that's what works is you know, uh, not only uh, you know is it is it well written and witty and all of that kind of stuff, but you recognize yourself in the relationships somehow. Absolutely. You know, you either recognize, you know, the way you are with your spouse or the way you are with your in, in-laws or the way you are with maybe a certain set of friends that you hang out with. I mean, at some point there is somewhere in there that you're really identifying with it. And so I think that makes you care about the characters more, get into the film more. And so, you know, I could imagine myself being this poor hapless dude who goes to meet his in-laws for the first time. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it, and it just goes horribly awry. And, uh, and so to me, you know, it's still funny. I think that uh, Ben Stiller in that movie is a riot. Uh, and so, uh, that is one that, uh, and so similarly, at least in, in, in game night, you see yourself in those relationships. You've got a couple of different, uh, husband and wife relationships. Then you got the guy who just can't settle down, always dating somebody different. You got the sibling rivalry relationship 
between Brooks and Max, which is uh, uh, Kyle Chandler uh, and Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. And so there's there there is an in there somewhere where you will identify with some member of this group or a relationship that they have. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, one more that I will I will mention, even though it's a, it's just as old as Meet the Parents and it's a De Niro one. Um, the original analyzed this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a that is a funny movie. Yeah. Like, especially if you love gangster movies like Harold Ramis uh, written, uh, like co-written and directed by I'm a huge Harold Ramis fan, as people can tell by me just kind of like constantly talking about Ramis. And this will not be the first time that Ramis does doesn't uh, comes up like he's going to come up multiple times because of the films that we're talking about. But um, analyze this is not a movie that we're talking about but it's also if you love the gangster films like we do this one works like it works better if you know those tropes and you like you've been through those movies multiple times and not just the scorsese directed ones like we're talking like everything because they kind of they it really does and it the funniest the even funnier part is that it predates the sopranos by like a hair like and yeah, literally yeah. analyze this is I was just looking to see where it fell kind of in the De Niro chronology. Mm-hmm. And so analyze this is 99 and meet the parents is 2000. So exactly. he basically kind of went comedy uh, back to back. And uh, and yeah, you're right. And and that's right. You know, before the uh, the Sopranos hit. Yep. And so like if the concept is like, oh, man, this is like the fucking Sopranos in a way. But funny. Um don't ding analyze this for that because the Sopranos did it like, you know, the Sopranos did it after, but it's just the different side of that particular kind that concept. Um, uh, so yeah, that one's another one that I like, it's, it's a little bit older, but it's definitely in that kind of realm of, of visually astute, but very smart comedies that are more character based than anything else which is something i'm probably gonna have to go back and watch again because it's been like probably like 10 years since i've seen that one yeah oh yeah yeah the minute you brought that up i started thinking man i need to see that again because it's yeah. been a long time Absolutely. it's hard to believe that meet the parents was 20 years ago yeah or, or like any of like those movies like um i was looking at a like just as a de niro tangent i was looking at 99 as a year for de niro and like so like in 99 he did he does Ron like like within like no I'm sorry I'm sorry in 3 years he does he does Ronin in 98 analyze this in 99 um and meet the parents in 2000 like one two three one year after another and this is at a time like what i find funny about de niro is that everybody counts him out always like have you ever noticed that like since like the 90s everybody's like oh well de niro's work is so much better in the 80s but then you look at the stuff that he's done and you go no like he's still doing great stuff in any decade that you pull out you just have to find those particular those particular performances exactly so like we've gone way off base um but going back to game <laughs> night do we have any final thoughts uh no other than uh if uh if you haven't seen it uh see it i mean it's literally one of the best comedies of the 21st century uh, and i think it will probably grow in reputation as time goes by uh, with each truly bad comedy that comes out after it, it just looks that much better. Oh yeah. And so, uh, reputationally thing, uh, wise, I think it will even continue to grow, uh, in the years to come. And so, uh, get on the, get on the bandwagon if you haven't seen it already. I think that that's a perfect, uh, perfect summation of, of what game night is. And, um, I'm glad you guys tuned in for this. We're going to be talking more comedies, of course, um, over the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to be closing out the summer with, uh, with a bunch of comedies. The next, next week, um, we are actually, uh, we're again, changing it up we're doing something a little bit different um this next week uh we're actually going back to the 80s and we're doing and i'm not mistaken uh and scott correct me if i'm wrong but we are doing uh carl reiner's summer school 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it should be fun. Absolutely. Yes. Good old, uh, good old uh, Mr. Shoop. Yes, Mr. Shoop and Wonder Mutt. Uh, <laughs> as a kind of, like, it it's both works as, like, it's a comedy that we both love. And but also it's a it's kind of like a nice farewell to Carl Reiner because he recently passed. Um, and so we'll be talking about Reiner's career and basically the movie. The movie's great. I, I like, you know, of course, we're we're in the we're in the back for this one because we're discussing it. But um, with that, so that you guys know and you can watch it in advance. Um, but with that, uh, Scott, why don't you tell everybody where you can where they can find you this week? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mscott underscore phillips. Uh, I do video reviews for wrbl.com. These days, they're more like voiceover reviews, thanks to all the coronavirus social distancing kind of stuff. Uh, But they are things that you can watch as opposed to read. Uh, And then uh, my written content uh, goes to themovieisle.com. And I hope to have a couple of reviews going up soon from the recent Japan Cuts uh, Film Festival. Absolutely. And uh, you guys can find the Movie Isle and the B-Movie Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, As I've said before, um, Twitter is more of a landing page for us uh, so that you guys know when we're posting article or like when we're posting podcasts and same thing with the movie aisle movie aisle is more it's more about when articles are posted so you can actually read my written content scott's written content on the movie or you can go to the uh the twitter page and follow that or the instagram uh both of those are the movie aisle uh just that's all you have to look for the movie aisle no lines no dashes uh the b movie podcasts uh twitter and instagram pages are B movie pod. So the letter B, the word movie and the word pod all together, no lines, no dashes. And again, same thing. It's a landing page on, uh, on Twitter, but both of them have more active Instagram pages. So if you follow the Instagram, you'll find more things about like reviews that are coming up or just things that we're watching, things that we're purchasing. As you guys are well aware, um, Scott and I are vicari- uh, like our, our vicarious buyers of Blu-rays. Um, I'm hoping to talk to Scott about maybe like once he's finished his new um, his new library uh, that he has his little his little <laughs> the, storage the hall of lunacy. Exactly, is what my wife would probably call it. We'll we'll do it in like uh, Superman terms. There, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe Scott will take some pictures uh, and uh, allow us to kind of like uh, share that on Instagram so you can see his like truly like his astounding collection because. Yeah, it's it's like I've seen small <laughs> pictures of it and it's still it's beautiful, um, to say the least. Um, it's, but, it's funny. It's the kind of thing that if it comes up, my wife will say, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but this kind of place here, this is exactly what we do. This is like exactly, it, you exactly. know, um, so with that, guys, uh, we will talk to you guys next week uh, where we'll have summer school and we'll have our discussion about that. Uh, so until next time, talk to you soon. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. And the world, I'm turning inside out. I'm floating around in ecstasy. So don't stop me now.
supersonic man out of you. Stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball.